Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Blaine. Hi, I'm Lane. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. I want to thank Lucy for asking me to be here to speak tonight and for going to feed my meter, but she's not in the room right now. But (laughs) Um, I'm really happy to be here. I have been a member of Overeaters Anonymous for just over three and a half years. Uh, My top weight before program was around 320 pounds, so I'm maintaining about 140 to 150 pound weight loss today. Um, Yeah. And what I'd like to say about that is you guys are really clapping for yourselves, and you're you're clapping for a power in the universe that is greater than me because that's what I found in these rooms, and that's the only way that I've been able to do this, and that I've been able to have a life today that's really beyond my wildest dreams. Um, so I believe that I was born a compulsive overeater. I've struggled with this issue my entire life. I didn't realize it was a, de- a disease until I found these rooms. You know, I just thought that I was an overweight kid. I had bad asthma since the time I was really young, and which led to inactivity, and, you know, I was on my first diet, I think, when I was about six years old, or seven years old, and I'm one of five girls in my family. I have four sisters, and what I remember at that time is just feeling like there was something wrong with me. You know, I was on this diet with my mom, and it was a really restrictive diet, and I had to eat these things that I didn't like, and I was watching my sisters eat whatever they wanted, you know, and I remember feeling like I I was just bad for some reason, and that, you know, if somehow I could be skinny, that I would be as lovable as they were, you know, Um, and, you know, I wasn't really conscious of all of that at the time, obviously, where I was just a child, but that's a feeling that sort of stuck with me, you know, um, until I found program. The tools that I developed to deal with that feeling of not being good enough and not being lovable were food, number one. You know, food was always there for me. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and going to the refrigerator to eat by myself when I was barely old enough to open it by myself, you know. I mean, I couldn't reach the top shelves, so it was like whatever I could reach on the bottom two shelves, you know, that's that's what I would go for. Um, and, you know, I don't really... I don't really have an explanation for that other than, you know, I, I believe that I was born with this and I believe that it runs in my family. Um... You know, and since my sisters and I have become older, I see it. I see it throughout my family, and I see it um, I see it in my mom. And despite that fact, it's not something that any of us ever really talked about, you know, other than the being 
cheerleaders and, you know, reading the magazines and talking about the next diet that we were going to go on. And, you know, we're going to do it. We're really going to do it this time. Um, not like, oh, I feel, you know, sad about <laughs> what's going on in my life. Not, you know, none of that. Just sort of like, you know, put on a brave face, uh, walk out of the house and, and act like everything's going well for the rest of the world. Another tool that I sort of developed to deal with that feeling of not being good enough and feeling less than was definitely um, overachieving and and people pleasing and you know I did really well in school I did an insane amount of activities I became a performer and. Um, you know, basically anything that I could figure out that I could try to do to get um, positive feedback from the outside world. You know, anything that would make me feel good from the outside because on the inside I really didn't feel very good about myself. Um, so I got really good, good grades in school, you know, got a lot of awards. Um, but meanwhile, there was just always this feeling of, of not belonging, you know, and... I sort of, I really built a fantasy life um, around my real life. It was like I had myself convinced that I was sort of succeeding at everything else and that one day I was going to figure out, you know, through the, the force of my intelligence and my will, which had helped me to succeed in so many other things, I was going to figure out how to get skinny and then everything was sort of going to fall into place in my life, you know. And that was fantasy that I that sort of propelled me forward. You know, it was the 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 story of my self will that I just sort of ran rampant with for many many years. Um, through that time, I was you know gaining and losing weight and gaining and losing weight. Um, there was a brief time when I was in junior high that I practiced bulimia, um, I thought that I had discovered it, you know, I ate so much one day that I threw up, and I thought, well, this is a great idea, and then um, I I did that for a while until I read somewhere, I found out somehow that I could ruin my vocal cords, and I'm a singer, you know, and other than food, that's the only thing that I had ever found up to that point in my life that really relieved my anxiety and made me feel free. So, I... I stopped doing that, and I just, you know, stayed on the diet um, yo-yo for many years after that. And, you know, always gaining, always gaining uh, more weight than I was able to lose. I graduated from high school. Um, I grew up in Bakersfield, California, and I graduated from high school, and I went away to college, and, you know, it was the first time in my life that I felt like I I was sort of free. I was away from my family, you know, like my, my mom couldn't force me to go on diets anymore or shame me <laughs> into going on diets, which is, you know, uh, usually more the form that it took once I got older. And I really gained a lot of weight fast once I got into college. And by the time I graduated, you know, 
within a year is the time that I was up to 320 pounds. And I remember sort of having days where I would see myself in the mirror and think, like, well, how how did this happen? <laughs> you know, like, I didn't, wasn't really conscious of, of what I was doing at the time. I wasn't conscious of what was going on with my body. I remember seeing myself sometimes and thinking, well, my body doesn't even look like a normal shape anymore, you know, but um, I didn't know how to do anything else. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what to do with that information, so I just sort of, like, went on and, you know, just kept eating and, and doing what I had been doing. You know, I ate out all the time, and I always had a constant supply of food to eat between meals. My main criteria for choosing a restaurant was, you know, the size of the portions, and that's what it was all about for me, you know, and I surrounded myself with uh, people who were foodies and... You know, I convinced myself it sort of became another part of my mythology that I was like this, uh, my lover, this lover of food and this cultured person. You know, never mind that two pizzas would be just as well as like a fine dining restaurant for me. Um, those were things that I just sort of ignored. So when I was up to 320 pounds, I mean, it was funny. I was I've been watching football because you know it's getting to be uh, the it's been the playoffs and the Super Bowl's coming up next weekend. I was watching the other day, and this guy they called the freezer, who's a linebacker. You know, he's like the biggest guy on the team. And I was like, wow, that's how much they said how much he weighed. And I was like, wow, that's how much I used to weigh. You know, it was incre- incredible to me to think that you know my little frame could carry around that much weight. And and it didn't very well, you know. I mean, I have like permanent damage to my knees. I there were times that, you know, I I couldn't go up a flight of stairs without resting. I couldn't, you know, walk a block without stopping and catching my breath and stretching my back. I remember thinking, you know, I'm getting to the biggest size in the clothing store that I shopped at, which was the only clothing store I could shop at. And I remember thinking, what am I going to do when? I don't fit in these clothes anymore, you know. I can flying, going on airplanes was a total nightmare. Um, having to ask for seatbelt extension was so embarrassing. I would, I remember going to a theme park with my friends and I couldn't get on any of the rides. Never mind that I hated being there because I didn't want to walk around all day. I mean, it was just miserable. I was talking to another friend in the program the other day, and she told me that she had finally just taken a seatbelt extension from an airline. I was like, oh, why didn't I ever think of that? That's such a good idea. <laughs> of course, that would be an amends that I would have to make now. But um, So anyway, that, that's what it was like, you know. And um, so being that I had graduated from this great university, and but... You know, I was 320 pounds. I couldn't do much of anything that I wanted in my life. I mean, this this disease really took everything from me, you know. I was embarrassed to go in public, you know. I, I wouldn't get up on stage in front of people and sing at that weight. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to be in front of people. Um, it got to the point where the only people I really hung around were people that were my size, and it was sort of like, you know, I was against the world. My my first girlfriend was also a very large woman. Our best friend 
And we would sort of, like, laugh about it when we went out, you know, the fact that we were the biggest people whenever we walked in the room and, and that people were looking at us, and, and we would laugh about it, you know. And then we would, you know, order the biggest thing on the menu, and and that was our good times. So I woke up one day, and I, I realized that my fantasy that I had designed for my life, you know, um, was breaking down, that I wasn't going out there and achieving all these things that I thought I was capable of achieving. And um, I went on my first big diet, really, of my own choosing. You know, it was like my last big, I'm an adult now. Um, you know, I, I went to the university I wanted to go to on a full scholarship. I can do this. You know, I am smart enough. I am good enough. I can do this. And I lost, you know, I lost about... 80 pounds. I was living in the Bay Area at the time, and mind you, I was still over 200 pounds, but that was, like, good enough for me. You know, that was amazing, having been living at over 300 pounds, and I decided that I was going to move to L.A., and I was going to pursue my singing career, that it was time, you know, that I had things handled. So I moved to Los Angeles, and when I came here, I kept doing the same thing that I had been doing with this um, diet program. The thing is that I was still, you know, the same person. I still had all the same thoughts about myself. And now I was in a strange city. Um, I didn't know my way around. I felt isolated. You know, I had to go everywhere in my car, and I wasn't used to driving. And I just slowly but surely started gaining the weight back. And I was still doing all the same things that I had been doing, and I didn't understand why, knowing what I knew, I couldn't do what I knew I should be doing, you know, I couldn't, I just couldn't stop, and um, the last thing that I tried, my sort of last-ditch effort before I came into program was um, a fast, you know, a fast that I did for two weeks, and... I, don't, I lost about maybe 20 or 30 pounds. But the thing is that I really believed, because, you know, I was still always reading, still always looking for the answers, still always depending on my intellect, you know, to solve this problem for me. And uh, I really believed that what I had read was true and that after I did this fast that I was going to cleanse my body of toxins and I wasn't going to have food cravings anymore and I was going to be able to start eating, you know, normally and healthily, and it was going to be a natural process, and, you know, everything was going to fall into place. So fast forward two weeks after I finished the fast, I'm like halfway through a two-pound bag of M&Ms at my office, falling asleep at my desk, which I had been counseled for because I ate so much sugar that I would not off at my desk. And... I sort of woke up and thought, I have to go get more M&M's, which I had been, like, sneaking around the outside of <laughs> the cubicles by the windows all day, like no one could see me. And in that moment, I just realized that that was my bottom. And I wasn't at my highest weight, you know. I wasn't that miserable in my body, but I realized that I was crazy. I realized that I was never going to learn enough about myself to beat this problem with my mind. I thought 
why can I not eat for two weeks? And now I can't go ten minutes without going back to the candy bowl. It doesn't make sense. You know, it was like that moment of, I just, there's nowhere I can go logically with this. Um, and in that moment, I heard the voice of a woman sort of echo in my head who had been the spiritual guide to me. The last time I had seen her, she said, if, if you ever need a shot in the arm, give me a call. And it was her voice that I heard at that moment. And I went in an empty office at work, and I called her. And I said, I just can't stop eating. I don't know what to do, you know. And she said, well, have you ever considered trying it away? And I said, no. I lied. You know, I had heard about it before, and I was off a fellowship. Whatever. I don't, you know. I don't need, I need a diet. I don't need a fellowship. I have tons of friends. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so arrogant. I mean, in my fourth step, like, that's something that comes up over and over for me again. This is, you know, my arrogance. Luckily, this disease is stronger than my arrogance. Luckily, this disease brought me to my knees, and I really do feel blessed about that. Um, you know, I heard someone share once, and they said that God, G-O-D, for them, is the gift of desperation, and that is absolutely true for me. And that's the gift that brought me into these rooms, you know, knowing, being desperate, and knowing that I didn't have the answers, finally. So I went to my first meeting, and, and it was like it was like a breath of fresh air to me. I had never heard people speak honestly about feeling the way that I did about food and about doing the things that I did with food, even though, like I said, I, I had grown up in that environment. It was astounding to me. And I remember leaving that meeting thinking, oh, I, I get it. This is like a safe place that you can just come and talk about whatever is going on with you. And I've never experienced anything like that in my life, you know. Being a person who had, like, depended so much on, on overachieving and outward appearances for any good feeling that I had about myself, it was like, you don't admit your weakness in front of people. You don't do that. In my house, it was like, you don't go outside of these doors and talk about our problems in this family and, you know, that. You keep that inside. You keep that inside. And food was the only tool that I had to keep those things inside, you know. And thanks to these rooms today, I have, you know, a higher power in my life that I know is greater than me. And I know that I have weaknesses, and I know that there are problems that I cannot solve. And and I know that I don't have to be afraid of those things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that first meeting, I was like, well, obviously this is where I need to be. You know, obviously these I, these people are like me. And I kept going back. I got a sponsor who I just sort of raised my hand in the second meeting I went to and, like, sobbed and was like, did I need a sponsor? And someone came up to me outside afterwards, and I started working with her. And um, she was basically like, no sugar, no flour, no alcohol. And I was like, okay. And I did everything that she told me, and I started dropping weight, and I was feeling better, and I was just sort of in this scared, desperate place which I'm so grateful for because it made me jump in and really do whatever she told me. You know, and that's what I knew how to do, you know. I knew how to be a a model student.
after like my first several months, she had to let all of her sponsees go. And then I got a new sponsor, and we started going through the big book. And I worked all of my 12 steps with that sponsor, who was also a 100-pounder. And that's the time at which I really feel like I got my spiritual foundation in this program. I, I think the steps are really important. I have since entered another fellowship, and, you know, I'm, I'm working the steps there, too. I'm an AA, too. I love that it says AA on the podium. I just came from the, the convention. I was in a meeting the other morning, and the speaker said, since I got sober, I've been uncomfortable a lot, but I've never had to be miserable. And I related to that so much with the food with the food, you know, because that's what what this disease does to me. It tells me, oh, you know, you've had a really hard day, you know, you're, like, having relationship trouble right now, you're having financial trouble, your boss is in that job, just add that extra thing to dinner, it's okay, it's not a big deal. And then I do, and I go from being uncomfortable to being miserable, you know, um, Every time, you know, and I I forget, and that's why I have to come to these rooms. So I'm going to just talk a little bit about what my program looks today. It's definitely changed since I came in in the beginning. You know, like I said, I I sort of came in and just, like, did everything that my sponsor told me, and I'm glad that I did. I mean, like I said, that really gave me my foundation program and gave me the experience that this program works and it kept me here and let me see it work with other people and helped me make friends and build a fellowship and a support network in my life. I just finished a term on the San Fernando Valley board. I I performed at the birthday party last year and prior to like six months ago I was really speaking a lot being asked to speak a lot, and I haven't been so much lately, and it's really nice to be here today to sort of reflect on that and to get a chance to share and connect. But what I found after a couple of years, I started getting to that place in my head where I thought I had things figured out again, you know. It was like, and and this is why I know that my disease is so cutting, baffling, and powerful, is that it will use anything to try to get me. It will use my own program, you know. We'll say, oh, Lane, you're a star. Just, you know, kick your feet up. You can take it easy now. You, you've arrived, you know. Just like I love reading Bill's story in the big book. I love it because I relate so much to Bill. Just, you know, that feeling of I have arrived, you know. I've made it. And, you know, and every time I think that, I know that I'm in trouble. Um, I know that I'm in trouble because, really, the the key to this for me is it's desperation and it's humility. The more that I can remind myself that I know nothing, I know nothing about this disease, I know nothing about what God can do in my life, I know nothing about how my problems are going to get solved, where the answer is going to come from, whose mouth it's going to come through, you know. I, if I look at someone and think, oh, I don't think that he's going to have anything, you know, to say that's going to 
ring true for me today. I'm like, lane, lane, lane. <laughs> you better open up your ears right now, you know, because that's exactly how this, this program works for me, you know. I mean, um, for example, I mean, he, just the way that my higher power has worked in my life to heal the things that make me turn to food is amazing. You know, when I, this, it, I'm like so embarrassed to share this, but I have to share it in this room because you guys are the ones who understand. Um, when I performed at the birthday party last year, you know, I didn't go out for that at the time. I, it, someone recommended me to the director and I was like, okay, I'll call her. But in my mind, I was like, I can't do that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just not talented enough to do that, and I was scared, you know, and so she called me, and she asked me to come audition, and she wanted me to do it, so I was like, okay, God, I guess, I guess you want me to do this, and it's being of service to OA, and, you know, I owe my life to OA, so I'm going to do it, and I did it, and it was such an amazing experience, because, like I said, I had performed, uh, throughout my childhood and stuff, and I was always, like, the fat girl who was in the chorus or got, like, the funny sidekick role, you know, I never got to play the lead, and, and that was a story that I carried with me, you know, like, I'm not the lead girl, you know, I can't do that, I don't have the talent to do that, and, and that's what my weight has been for me for so much of my life. It's been an excuse. It's been a way for me to protect myself from pain and rejection, you know. And it was such a healing experience for me to get to do that and and to not have to attach anything other than that to it. To just be like, you know what, I'm showing up to do the job that that God gave me, and God thinks I'm good enough, so I am. You know, I am, and that's that's why I'm here. Um, you know, I, I, like, was looking for a new workout, and I won this, like, free pole dancing membership, <laughs> and so I went <laughs> to do this, you know, pole dancing, and I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, yes, this is not the life of a 320-pound woman, you know. And so I went to a couple classes, and my instructor was like, you know, Lane, you're never going to get up on the pole in those sweatpants. You know, you have to, like, you have to grip the pole with your legs. So I was like, okay, okay, you know, I'm, and then I, and I walked away, and in my mind I was like, no one will ever see my thighs um, in daylight. <laughs> so I went back the next week, and it was really hot, and I was like, okay, you know what, this place is all closed up, it's all women in here, and I bought, like, you know, the little, um, sport that they have there to wear, and I, and I did it, you know, I went through the class, and I was, like, watching myself in the mirror, because that's what you do, and I was like, I'm not, I am not hideous, you know, I was like, this is the body that God gave me, this is the woman that God created, you know, and I was just watching myself do the movements, and, like, feeling like I looked really beautiful, and I was like, if I don't focus on 
the things that I don't like about my thighs, then that's not what I see, you know. And in that moment, I was like, I think this is how God sees me, you know. And that's what I get today. I get to see myself the way God sees me. And, you know, when I do my work, I get to see other people the way God sees them. You know, and that's what I can never do. I was almost so scared of being judged, you know, so scared that you guys were going to think I wasn't good enough, you know, so scared that I wasn't going to be what I thought you needed me to be. And so I'm just, my heart is so filled with gratitude today. Um, you know, and that's the place that I strive to stay with my prayer and meditation every day and calling my sponsor and checking in. You know, there are still days that I come in here and I'm like, well, well gosh, I haven't really lost any weight in a year and a half and I have more weight to lose and new people come in and see how much they weigh and I'm like, oh my God, I weigh more than them. What the hell, you know? <laughs> how can I get up? <laughs> how can I get up and, and speak and be an example of this program? But you know what? The gifts that I've been given today, I mean, there's so much more than my weight and and that's really, I'm on my third sponsor now and that's really what we're focusing on today is, you know, being right spiritually every day and letting the food take care of itself. And, and I really believe that you know, the rest of my weight will come off when it's supposed to. And I really believe that I'll get a new job when I'm supposed to. And I really believe that I'll I'll get another gig when I'm supposed to, you know. And when I start getting that old urge to control and thinking that everything needs to look better on the outside and, you know, that desperate feeling again, that's, that's my my signal to um to turn to my higher power and to turn to my sponsor and to turn to all of you and to remember that you know I could never do this alone um so I'm so so glad to be here with all of you today thank you so much for um letting me share Is there more time or? Yeah, four minutes. Okay. Um, does anyone have any questions? Lang, thank you so much for your share. What do you do when your food is correct? Like, you feel spiritual, but the food is just messy. I am so glad you asked that question. I've had a lot of times like like that lately, actually, and um, it's been very humbling for me, like I said, because I was very, like, very exacting when I first came in. And, you know, what I do is uh, remind myself that I'm a human being, and I call my sponsor. You know, I really, I call my sponsor. And I, I really go to meetings and try to share about it as much as I, you know, can stomach. <laughs> because for a long time I felt like that's not recovery and I can't go into the rooms and share if my food is a wreck. But um, hello, we're all here because our food is a wreck at some point or another, right? And um, 
You know, it's a daily reprieve, so I definitely, like, one of my mantras is, God, please help me see myself as you see me, you know. And what what I always get back when I say that is, you're, you're doing the best you can. Trust me, keep doing what you're doing. You know, sometimes, I mean, my experience is that sometimes I've had to go there with certain foods just to be done, you know just to get desperate enough to give it up. Not, I'm not recommending that as a course of action for anyone. You know, that's just my experience. But, you know, it's those things that help me to continue to have faith and take, you know, one step in front of the other. That's what's different about OA for me than doing any other diet because, you know, like once I went there, it was like, okay, it's over. Oh, well. You know, and who knows how long it would be until I get back. You know, here I get to wake up every day and be like, ask my higher power again to help me do my best and ask my higher power again to help me relieve my obsession. And, you know, be like, okay, so I did this yesterday. Maybe I need to look about what's going on in my life. Maybe I need to do some writing about my job. You know, like, I mean, really, it's it's usually, some there's usually something behind it that uh, my sponsor and my fellows can help me get to. You know, and it's a constant process. I just I just keep working.